Welcome to the Quality Improvement Box Set by RCVS Knowledge, a series of webinars, podcasts, and video interviews for practices and practitioners. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm very lucky to be talking to one of my veterinary heroes. <laughs> Someone who got me out of so many situations when I was in practice, always at the end of the phone with really good advice. Um, Professor John Williams, who's National Surgical Lead of Vets Now um, and works in the Vets Now Hospital Manchester. And I'm going to talk to John about meetings and, and communication in practice. John, Vets Now Manchester, is, I know, is a very large referral hospital with, with an overnight, 24-7 um, overnight service as well. How do you... Um, organized talking about clinical cases and having meetings in, in a situation like that okay we, we do that in a, in a number of ways i guess um we do it during the daytime we, we do a very formal um ward round first thing uh in the morning about nine o'clock but prior to that um there are smaller group meetings um there's nurse to nurse meetings and vet to vet meetings which start at the beginning of each shift um so in every shift change there is a proper handover um, it's quite a formalised process. Um, it's recorded. Um, Pre-COVID, we did this on paper, um, but just before the, the COVID lockdown, we started using SmartFlow um, for exactly the same thing. That this, we, we record the same data, uh, but now it's just on a on a PDF on a tablet, and it's attached. It's automatically attached to the patient file. Um, it's based on um, a number of um, human systems uh, for communicating handovers, because it's been shown that in people, I think something like 20 to 30% of patient harm occurs due, due to poor handovers. Um, and we decided as we were such a, a busy um, practice, both, both in Manchester and in, in Glasgow, that the sensible thing to do is to try and formalize that with a hope that we would reduce risk of harm um, or incidents happening because of miscommunication about patient care. And as far as we can tell, it works really well. We've, we've had the paper system in place probably for about two and a half, three years. Um, it's gone through several iterations um, to try and make it as seamless and less clunky, for want of a better way of putting it, um, because certainly people don't want to spend their whole life paper filling uh, when there's 20 or 30 inpatients. Um, so the great advantages, must admit, of the SmartFlow system is that it self-populates a lot of the data um, and the stuff that's been recorded previously is still in the system, whereas with the paper system, you do sometimes have to repeat what you're doing. Um, but that's worked really well. And we also found um, by doing a very simple audit early on that there was a huge difference in the information being gathered by the vets and the nurses. Uh, the vets were very fact-driven, I guess, and whereas the nursing side, it was very much about the care of the patient. Um, and initially we used to have like a joint uh, meeting with vets and nurses in the same, discussing the same patient. And when you looked at what they recorded, it was very marked the difference in what they took from those meetings. And I think that's why it's really important to remember that there is two sides to it. There is that the, I suppose, veterinary clinical side and also the nursing care side um, and it's important that all that detail crosses over because sort of things that I guess vets perhaps forget about is what was it fed that morning? Mm. What does it what does it eat? You know, the sort of thing that maybe 
not that it doesn't interest her, it's not that it's not important, it's just that it's important in a very different way. Um, so that, that I think has worked really, really well. Um, and the, the smart flow system has allowed us also to work through the COVID period as well, um, because it's meant that everything does record, get recorded. Um, we've been able to do it with small well, you know, uh, groups of people, not in fact, not having to be in the same room to do the handovers, which is a bit weird. Um, but does seem oh, to right. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> because um, what well, we haven't, because we worked in t in a, a system of teams, and certainly when one team switched over to the other team, we couldn't have any personal crossover, so it had to be done sort of remotely. Um, so that, but that's again seemed to have worked quite well in that situation. Um, but yeah, being a big big hospital, certainly going you know, in the old normal, um, sort of this sort of communication thing did work really really well. Excellent. And yeah, I think that's such a good point about handovers, because very often you have somebody who's, you know, been working um, all night and is very tired and, and want, wants to get away. And and someone who's coming in who's very stressed because everybody's telling them everything at once. And, and there's lots of potential there, isn't there, without Absolutely. a system? Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors which affect concentration, for want of a better word. You know, the fact that you want to go home, you are tired. Um, or you're thinking that, you know, I haven't eaten properly for you know the last five six hours or whatever and I need need some food are you worried about the journey home because you're going to start hitting rush hour traffic and all that sort of stuff and all those things make you forget to tell people small things um, whereas if it's all formalized then it's easier to remember because there are trigger points within the forms to try and make sure that you don't forget that you know you, his potassium was low or you know you, you have run bloods or you haven't run bloods but somebody needs to run bloods in the next next half hour or whatever um so that that you know there's all these things which which affect communication you know the non the non-verbal part of of the communication process which is key no, that's really interesting. The number of times I've um, driven away from somewhere and suddenly thought, oh, I forgot to tell somebody yeah. this. And then yeah, you can phoning it in. So having a, a good system to record that, all yeah. that and to remind people. It's a checklist, really, isn't it? It's a checklist. It, it is a sort of checklist, yes. Yes, of an eight memoir, because it is, as you say, it's, it just formalises the whole thing without hopefully making it too onerous. Because obviously, if you know, if you've got, I think it's been shown with checklists, if you've got more than nine things in a checklist, yeah that people lose focus on it and don't concentrate on it. Um, it's just that the principle is exactly the same, that you try very hard to just pe pe you know, poke people's minds and say, you, you need to remember to do this bit. So, yeah, it, but, you know, I think it's one of the things that didn't transform how we did things, but I think it's really, really helped and made the system more robust and really helps as well. You know, if you've got new staff and you've got locums or whatever coming in, there's a system in place that everybody can buy into yeah, yeah. you know it is not sort of hoping that you know a will talk to b and remember to tell them things you know and you know that you can't leave the building until you've done a fan handover you know that, that's one of the other key things you know because you know you've reached the end of your shift you want to go home but you know actually i do have to go and talk to this person yeah. <laughs> i have I to go through everything systems are the key aren't they i mean there's so many yeah. you know um from human health care i mean the so, so we're, we're all human and we can all make mistakes oh, and you know we have to think about the human factors but if we have good systems of work that work for the people on the ground that's the important thing and that they they that they've been involved in um and presumably you did you involve your team and when you when you were getting this going we did we 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 probably spent the best part of a year 
I think, um, going through various iterations of it. And initially, we've we just, with my say just, we involved some key stakeholders from um, our sites in Swindon, Glasgow and Manchester. And we designed a, a form by committee, <laughs> <laughs> which perhaps didn't quite work uh, initially. So, so then we sort of, we trialled it, we did a survey monkey, we changed the form, retrialled it, did another survey monkey to see what worked, what didn't work. Um, and then eventually we, we settled on a form which we, we thought was a good compromise between what everybody else wanted and what we thought would actually work work on the ground. Um, but yeah, I think with with introducing that, the key thing was the fact that we involved everyone. Yeah. You know, everyone had an, an opportunity to have a say, um, you know, nurses, vets, um, as to what they felt was important and not important in that form. Um, because I think if we hadn't done that, if we hadn't had everybody on board, um you know just trying to introduce it from the top down just just wouldn't have worked um you know because when you've got people who are i suppose vets are relatively independent people <laughs> <laughs> yeah you <can> say that <laughs> in the way that they like to work and trying to uh get everyone to work in the same way is a little bit like herding cats at times but um but i think it did work well because we just involved everyone during the whole process and I think, and I said, and then transferring it from a paper form to an online, or at least a smart flow form has made a bigger difference as well. Because um, people don't like filling in you know, patients' names, patients' details every time when you yeah. bring And also, there's, you know, there's obviously the waste of paper as well. Um, uh, and you could get, I could lose paper, presumably. You could just... Yes, yes, we've, we've had that as well. Um, you know, that. But usually what's meant to happen is it's then meant to be attached. It was always meant to be attached straight to the patient's file as soon as it's been um, and then scanned onto the system. Whereas certainly with, with using a tablet system, you know, you press a button and it automatically gets attached. I'm sure your receptionists and, and admin staff prefer the fact they don't have to be scanning oh, stuff onto. Absolutely. I mean, scan, you know, scanning, I think, was the bane of most receptionists' lives. Because, yeah. um, yeah. you, know, you know, you generate so much paperwork, you know, between, you know, consent forms, anaesthetic forms, um, checklists, um, handover forms, various other forms that we do, because nursing care forms. Yeah, nursing care uh, forms, yeah. All these things. And then, you know, there's, you get this big pile of paper, which then needs to be scanned. Um, and and it's not very it's not good for sustainability either is it no, absolutely not absolutely not so you know it's the, the, the smart certainly i'm not trying to be an advocate but other systems do exist about yes, it, an online system is what you're, yeah yeah, yeah, basically, or, or, yeah digital it's, it's, system it's a, yeah. work, a digital workflow system which allows us just to attach everything yeah. um to to the system and it works very it seems to work very 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 well for us so. when i um i came along to your practice to do the practice standards assessment a few years ago and um i was impressed by all of the practice it was it was great but what really one thing really impressed me was um in the afternoon a bell rang and everybody stopped what they were doing and all came together for a short stand-up meeting for about 10 minutes to dis to discuss um things i think a sort of a huddle it how did you are you still doing those or well we, we do the huddles well Pre-COVID, <laughs> COVID has changed everything, yeah. but pre-COVID, uh, we we still huddled in the morning, for a better way of describing it. Um, we unfortunately had to stop the afternoon one um, purely on logistic basic because we'd, we'd reached the point, because I think when we did the original practice standards, it was in our early days and we were yeah. still, still growing. Um, probably in the last, I think we're trying to think when we dropped it, we probably dropped it in the last six to nine months, um, purely because it was impossible to get everyone to stop 
doing what they were doing because there were lots of procedures going on. You can't stop scoping or you can't stop yeah. things or stop a CT scan or whatever. And it just unfortunately just no longer fitted into the day. And again, it, it sort of reinforced really how important the handover process was um, because that's really at the beginning and end of each shift. That's when the, the most information transfer happens. Um, but what we do do in the mornings, um, we have a big huddle a better way. Uh, we have a big ward round where it's nurse led um, and we discuss initially all the cases that are in the hospital um, and all the inpatients and go through their plan for the day. And once we've done that, we then break into, um, I nearly said species specific, I didn't mean species specific, <laughs> discipline specific groups, um, medicine, surgery, soft tissue surgery, orthopedics um and critical care and we in those groups there will be um a vet and a nurse and an animal care assistant and in that small group we will discuss the plan for the day and we will discuss which cases are coming in um also the inpatients which which belong to that little group as well and more extra things we may or may not want to do to those uh, but also what we're going to do with those patients that are actually coming into the building um, on that day as well. So everyone um, in that little mini huddle is fully aware, aware of how we want to work. The floor is, is run by one of the senior nurses. Um, and so the overall, she has an overall vision of what was happening during the day. Um, but then within our little mini groups, we then sort of plan exactly how we want those groups to to work out through the day. Um, you know, if something comes in to see me, it may need blood sampling, it may need x-rays or a CT scan, or it may just need to go straight to surgery. It just very, very it's very variable, but we try very hard to to make sure that everybody in the team is fully aware. Sometimes obviously there's crossover, uh, particularly between medicine. Um, and surgery or medicine and the critical care team and again we will have we'll involve them in our huddle discussion as well to make sure that certainly at the beginning of oh, plans will obviously change yeah. <laughs> as is always the case <laughs> best laid plans and all that but we try very hard at the beginning of the day to make sure that at least we have some structure so that everyone is aware of what we want to try and achieve during the day um, and yet yeah, there has to be some flexibility because we see a lot of emergency cases, but at the beginning, by doing those little huddles, we involve everyone, everyone has a say, um, and so we, we know then what's going to go on. We try very hard not to be uh, hierarchical in it as well. And when you say everyone, you mean uh, you mean the vets and the nurses, but you also mean receptionists and practice managers? And No, they, they, we, they don't tend to get involved. We some receptionists do join the the original ward round, the big the bigger ward round that we have. Um, some of the admin staff do as well to see exactly so that everybody knows who's in hospital um, and what's actually going on in general during the day. Um, but they, they don't then get involved in the little mini huddles that we do. That's very much a clinically driven, as I said, it's, it's nurses, um, vets and the animal care assistants uh, in those mini huddles. Um, because obviously with it's not just the vets and the nurses we need the animal you know the animal care assistants are a key and certainly in theater we use them a lot sort of to um facilitate how we work in theater um and that sort of so that it's important that they know how we want to put the day as well 
And I think the um, it'd be important for having the receptionists in the morning um, uh, handover case handovers because then they're aware. It's nothing worse, isn't it, when you people ring up about their animal and they speak to somebody oh, who's got no idea what they're talking I about. I know, I know. And again, it does help um, because it does give them a handle on what's going on during the day, um, so they get at least have a a mini oversight of what's going on uh, with each each case. You know, the, the amount of detail they probably take on board is 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 not huge, but it's enough to allow yeah. them to say that, you know, Fred is doing quite well. Um, you know. At least, you know, no, oh, yes, I know who Fred, Fred is when the, when the exactly. owner rings up. Yeah. Exactly. Because I think that's, sort of, you know, with all practice, there's always an issue, isn't it? When somebody yeah. phones in and says, well, I don't know anything about Fred or, or the vet will phone you back in an hour, but the client's obviously concerned now. Yeah. Which is why they phoned. Um, so it's always useful to have that sort of, so they have that information and they can pass that on as well. And say, you know, he's had a friend's had a comfortable night, etc. Um, and someone will phone you back as soon as possible. So excellent. So it sounds like you have a really good system there. And apart from the day-to-day -day meetings, presumably you have some um other do you have do you do journal clubs and, and do you do MMs or significant? We do MMs. Again, the <laughs> COVID has put, put a big spanner in the works on MMs. Um we do a fairly formal MMs um once a month. Um we record it and we actually um, share it on our company-wide intranet. Oh, that's a really we good idea. We don't do it as a live thing, um, but we do that's it as a good a, idea. Yeah. We encourage people to do them as a PowerPoint presentation um, and then to share it sort of more widely within the within the, the VetsNow community. Um, again, it's one of those things that's taken a big hit from from COVID because we we just haven't we're not we're not just not in a position to do do them. No. Uh, hopefully, hopefully things will get back to, to yes work. yes yeah i mean one, once once everything sort of starts to settle back and we start to work as a as a, a complete unit again i think it'll make life easier um we also do because part of our intern training is it's slightly different i suppose but we do joined up um webinars seminars with the interns on both sites using teams um we know we've been doing that for about two years now just using the internet to allow Consolidation, I guess, and make it easier to, to teach across both sites. The other sort of meetings, yeah, occasional journal clubs, um, M&Ms, management meetings. Um, and we do have discipline specific meetings or you know, referral clinician meetings as well to discuss um, re relatively informally, maybe sort of two or three times a year to discuss in general how we're working and uh, how, think, how we want things to move forward. So I'm sure you have all the same issues that people have in smaller. Oh, I think probably do. <laughs> just magnified. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, once, once you get into sort of large numbers of staff, you know, where every, everyone has, has has ideas. Everybody wants to work slightly, maybe slightly differently sometimes. But have, getting people to work in systems without the systems, it wouldn't work. No, absolutely. In, in a bigger place, it just wouldn't work. You just can't can't. Imagine, you know, everyone doing their own thing just just would make the whole thing fall apart. So having those systems in place is really important. Yeah, and it's like it's like all things, isn't it? It's um, when I was first introduced to checklists, I thought, why do we need a checklist? You know, I've, I've been doing I've been operating for a long time. I've never never had a problem. I've never left a swab in all that sort of cocky thing that we, <laughs> surgeons, that we surgeons have. But then you realize how important it actually is because it allows people to communicate preoperatively, particularly sort of pre-anesthesia and then immediately pre-surgery and after surgery. So everybody knows again exactly what's happening with that patient. Because that's, what, that's what we try and use the checklist for. Yes, we do use it as a checklist, 
but we use it as a means of communicating. You know, when they say, part of the challenge is, what problems do you anticipate? And then you said, well, there's probably no major problems, but this, you know, these are the steps we'd like to take to ensure that this might happen, but hopefully it won't. Um, so it just gives everybody an opportunity to. Yeah, to... and you probably always already ha always had that in your head, but now you're verbalising it, and therefore exactly. other people know that that yes. might happen, and exactly. therefore the nurses can have the right yes. equipment there. And yes, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's the, the the classic anecdote from um, Atul Gawanda, who wrote the man uh, checklist manifesto, where he one day he just didn't fancy doing the checklist, and his nurse forced him to. And she said, what could go wrong? He said, well, he, he does some laparoscopic adrenalectomy. That's his thing. Um, he said, well, in theory, I could cut the vena cava. He'd never, ever cut the vena cava. And because of that, she ordered a store of blood into theatre. And what did he do? Mm. He apparently cut yeah. the vena cava. You know, and if they hadn't had the blood there in theatre, the patient would have died. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, and it does, I think, if, I think there's evidence, isn't there, that if people have um, vocalised using the checklist, they're more likely to speak up then later yes. on in the op if something happens because um, where if the people who might be a bit intimidated by yes. um, by surgeons you know <laughs> 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 might not say anything in the past because of the hierarchy once yes. they've used the checklist they're more likely to speak up and say something yes they are yeah very much so because they they very much you know certainly with with us you know they very much question things during the checklisting um, you know as to, as to why we're we doing things and, and what you know so that has worked really well I think. Um, and now I'm a great advocate of the surgical checklist. So. Yeah. Well, it's a communication tool, isn't it? At the exactly, end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's, not a, it's not about being a piece of paper. It's about being no, a communication. No, exactly. It's a, it's a means of getting people to talk. And I think certainly, you know, with, when you get new new members of staff and new, new perhaps new nurses and new younger vets in, um, it it allows them to see that we do talk. Yeah. Um, you know, that they can question. You know that it's not not the wrong thing to do to question somebody. Um, you know, that, I keep saying we, we've we're just getting a new batch of interns in because it's that time of year. Um, you know, I'm, saying, I'm really embarrassed because I keep asking you questions. I said, no, 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 you have to yeah. keep asking me questions. You know, if you don't ask questions, one, I don't know if you know what's going on, <laughs> but two, you're never going to learn. So sometimes, you know, it's good for me as a surgeon to have to think about. Actually, why am I doing it this way? Yeah. I know I've done it this for a long time, but maybe there are other ways of doing it. Um, so I think, I've, I think, yeah, the, the whole question, the whole communication thing is so, so important there. And I think it's part of having a learning culture in the practice as well, isn't it? That yes. you're all learning from each other. Yes. And that's what we all want, isn't it? A, a just learning culture, not a not a, a blame culture. I no. think that's so important in veterinary practice. No, absolutely, because we know we, we run, a, we've been running a significant event reporting system for, for well, since before I started, you know, and, and again, that's that's part of the whole no blame thing. Is that, you know, it's essentially, whenever we look at even the serious things that we look at as significant events, it's usually a systems failure. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. always a systems failure. Um, and it's, it's, then we have to readjust the system and think, actually, if that system didn't work, you know, how did that happen? We need to change the system slightly. Very rarely is it that is there human blame as such. Um, it is nearly always down to that system failure. And that's why we have the reporting system is to, to see why we have things that go awry. Um, and as I said, you know, most of the vast majority of them, you know, 99% plus probably are down to system failure. Absolutely. And, and near misses are, are gold dust, aren't they, to discuss them? And, and... Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, the, the whole the whole the whole idea, you know, the whole that significant event reporting is that is, is, is not just the significant event is, is those things which get very close to being 
a significant event that you've not quite got there, which is good. But it's again, if people don't flag them, because again, near misses, certainly my experience, again, are nearly always down to system failure. Absolutely. Lovely. Well, it's been great talking to you, John, and, and I can see that you've got a really, um, really great system going on there of communication <laughs> and the practice. Um, um, you know, and as and like we said, communication is at the is at the heart of just about everything in veterinary practice, isn't it? Communication with the clients, communication within the team. So thank you very much for, for talking pleasure. to me today. It's been a pleasure. For further courses, examples and templates for quality improvement, please visit our quality improvement pages on our website at rcvsknowledge.org. Thank you.